Glory to God. Well, we just welcome you to Kickstart 19. Uh, we are so glad to have Ted and Carolyn here, and it's going to be an awesome week, and uh, we're just looking forward to it. This is the week to kick your year off right. Anybody want to have a good 2019? Well, look, I, I know the person that can make that happen. And his name is Jesus. And so we're going to honor him this week. We're going to give him everything we have. We're going to serve him and minister to him. And we're going to see him pour out his good things on us. Amen? Amen. Anybody expecting? Is there anybody excited? For real? All right. All right. Good, good, good. Well, we welcome you guys. Uh, we welcome Corey uh, from up in New Hampshire and Miss Jasmine. Uh, glad to have you and uh, ministers Philip and Christy Gervais. Did I say it right? Glory to God. And uh, we're so glad to have y'all. And uh, we'll have other people that are joining us throughout the week. Uh, but it's going to be a great week. Amen. 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 So uh, before we get into the tithes and offerings, I have, I have something I want to do. Um, will uh, Terrell, will you and your wife come up here real quick? Amen. I told you it was special for you to be here today, right? Yes, I did. Amen. Good morning. Love you. <laughs> Are you embarrassed? No. Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Are you? No. <laughs> good. Well, look. So there's like a car sitting out there, and it's yours, totally paid for, a Ford Explorer. And look at here. There you go. We just wanted to bless you. All these folks, they gave to give in to you, and we knew you needed a vehicle. We wanted to love on you, and you can check it out after service. <laughs> God is good. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. He's given that to you. Amen. Amen. Listen. <laughs> Amen. So we got to get the paperwork done. We'll take care of that this week, but it's no cost to you whatsoever. And uh, praise God. Oh, she's blessed. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God's so good. That's God who's doing that through his people. Amen. And uh, we won't, I told you it was going to be a big day. And uh, so Boomerang, awesome job. Uh, we, had a, we had a time two years ago. We gave away seven vehicles in a year. And uh, this is our first one this year. Amen. And uh, praise God. Amen. So listen, you guys, we love you. And God loves you. And he's got good plans for your life. Amen. Amen. You, you did something big when you started connecting here after we had that outreach in Norwood. And y'all know it, of course, but it's bigger than you, than you even know. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. More to come. Amen. That's right. So let's just, I want to show you something. Let's turn uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6. Now, the story here, the story here is about Saul who's about to become king. And uh, what I want to tell you before, while you're looking that up is, if you have an envelope, even, even if you didn't come prepared to give today, you know, Christians, Christians should grow to the place where they understand that if they come and they receive the word, they should come giving, even if it's a small amount. But Nicole and I make it a practice that we don't go into a service 
without giving. And what we're recognizing, now tithes are already set. That's 10% of our increase. We should be doing that. I'm not even just talking about tithes. I'm talking about giving beyond uh, the tithe, over and above the tithe. I'm talking about our offerings. So we should come and we should give our tithes like we should. You know, every every single week we should be bringing that. When we receive increase, we bring it uh, first fruits right into the, right into the Lord, right? Uh, we bring it to him. And we, the word teaches us this, that when we give our tithes, it teaches us reverence of the things of God. We literally learn how to walk in honor and reverence by giving the tithe. And so then we know that if we honor God and we reverence him, God honors us. And it is not an equal, like, can you imagine? Is my honor equal to the way that God would honor? No, no, it's not the same. It, it's not fair. It, it's, it's one of those things where it's like I can give the utmost of my honor, but it's not going to match when God Almighty decides to honor you. And he said in 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, he said, those who honor me, I will honor. Now he also said though, those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. So it plays on both sides. In other words, if you honor God, God's going to pour out honor on you. And he says, now I want you to hear this, that the tithe, the tithe teaches us to reverence God or to honor him. So it, can you, I want to ask you this question, can you honor God properly if you're not tithing? No, it's not possible. Why? Because God set up that pattern. He set up that is one of his ways. His ways are holy. You are not going to receive the honor of God if you don't honor him. And you can't honor him if you're not a tither. It's not possible. Why? Because he's written it in his word. He's written it that way. So we make sure what I want to tell you is this. Whether you came to ready to give or not today, you may or may not have known what I just said. But now that you're here, you do know that. I, I seek the Lord every day and, and say, Lord, what would you have me to give during this service? What, what would you have me to give? I'm going to tithe already. That's yours. I'm just returning it to you. But I'm going to give to you. What would you have me to give? Sometimes it's a, smaller than I think. Sometimes it's a lot bigger than I I think, but I'm always seeking him for obedience. And if I'll be obedient, he'll show me. And if he's going to say something to me, he will give me the means to do that as well. But what becomes important is how do I purpose my heart? So what I'm, what I want you to know is this, you might not have come in today uh, expecting to give. But that's why we want everybody to have an envelope. Even if you didn't plan to give, we just gave you something. Now, it might not seem like a big thing to you, but this envelope, it costs money. Every single, every single time we hand one of these, it costs the church money. So what we've literally done is we've given you seed. If you return that envelope and just take it right back up here and you turn it back, that's one more envelope we don't have to pay for. That might not seem like a, a lot, but if you give that with the right heart, it will kickstart your finances. It will be the seed that will turn into fruit and kickstart your finances. So I want you to know 
That even today, no matter what financial shape that you're in, you have right within your hand already the ability to kickstart your finances today. Because we've given that to you. It's yours. You can throw it in the trash or you can turn your heart towards the Lord and you can sow it right back. And you can start just with a 25 cent envelope. You can say, Lord, because he can take that thing and he can multiply it. 30, 60, 100 fold, 1,000 times more, 10,000 thousand times more, the Lord can return that to you. The question is, Lord, do we have it in our heart to honor you? Do we have it in our heart to honor you and to sow and to give? We recognize, see, giving is this. Lord, I recognize you've given me something and I want to give back to you. I'm not paying for it. It's not a price to be paid in that sense. It's an honor. It's a reverence. Lord, I want to give to you. And when our heart lines up with our giving, all of a sudden everything changes. I want you to see this. So here's King Saul before he was king. He's, he's about to be anointed by Samuel the prophet, but he doesn't realize it. He's just chasing these donkeys that his father lost, but he can't find them anywhere. But then all of a sudden they say, hey, let's go over here. We're in this town. I've heard there's a man of God in this town. And I want you to see what happens here in verse 6 and 7. He said to him, he said, behold, now there is a man of God in this city and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. But then Saul said to his servant, but behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is gone from our sack and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give it to this man of God and he will tell us our way. There's a principle in the word that when you come in front of a man of God, you don't come empty handed. This is part of that principle right here where you come in front. Why? Because that man of God can tell you something and all of a sudden everything changes on that. There's a principle on that. I heard um, uh, Mark Barclay, uh, Pastor Mark Barclay tell this story and he told the story of uh, also of uh, John Osteen, Pastor John Osteen. And, and both of them had the exact same testimony. And I would say that Nicole and I have the same testimony as well. We were giving uh, into, uh, we've given into ministry for years and years and years. But all of a sudden, John Osteen told Pastor Mark this. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, I started, the Lord prompted my heart that when I would get around a man of God, and especially, he was, he was saying, the men that God had given in my life, he said, I would not show up empty handed. He said, and we started sowing not just into the ministry, but into them personally. Like a lot of times, you know, people will want to give. We wanted to say, okay, here's a man of God. What do they want? What is it that, how can I bless them personally? How can I bless them personally? Because I want to honor these people that are given into our lives. And so uh, it's not wrong to give to the ministry, but it's not wrong to do that. There's something, there's a different level that happens in your heart when you start saying, I want to, I want to know personally, what are they doing? You know, how can I, I want to give this to them, to their family, that kind of thing. And so all of a sudden, uh, John Osteen, Pastor John said, I'm telling you, when I, when I started doing that, everything in my life financially changed. 
And then Pastor Mark Barclay said, and I, I took that example. I learned for, from it. I turned my heart to be that same kind of giver. And when I did it, everything changed. When I heard that, I knew because the Lord had already been writing on my and Nicole's heart uh, for it to be the same way. We started doing that. Everything started changing. Everything started changing. And what are we talking about? Are we talking about actually the gift that was given? Or are we talking about the heart change? Yeah. The heart change. I, I just I put a few verses down and I'm not going to I'm not going to read all this, but Judges 6 18, 1 Kings 4 14 3, 2 Kings 4 42, 2 Kings 5 5, 2 Kings 8 8, right? All of these are just a few verses where people are showing up in front of the person of God and they're saying, Don't let me show up without a gift. Don't let me show up without a gift. Giving needs to be in our heart. Why is this? Because when we put on giving, we put on God. How can you be like God and like Christ and not be a giver? It's part of the reason why he loves a cheerful giver. He loves somebody who's abounding in their giving. Who's not, who's not, oh man, they're asking for something again. They're like, oh, we get to give again. Why? Because you're putting on the character and the nature of God. And, and listen, when we started giving, it was, whoo, ugly in terms of amount. Yeah, very little. But you can't give with the right heart and not raise to new levels. It, it changes you. It changes who you are. It changes what you receive. And so many people, when we first started the church, over 50% of the prayer requests were for finances. Now that's gone down now because we've gotten the word in people and they become givers. But we need to still press to the things of God. God doesn't want you just you know, with your nose above water and finances. He wants you in abundance to do every good work. He wants you in that place. Let's turn to Galatians 6. Galatians 6 and verse 6. Hey, uh, Kendall, I believe there's a hum in one of those monitors. Will you take them down one at a time or do something? Take that hum out. Galatians 6, verse 6. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Galatians 6, verse 6. But I'm sorry, before we go there, let's go to verse 2. I'm, I'm, you know, thank you, uh, diligent computer Daniel, that's awesome. Computer Daniel. Galatians 6, 2. Look at this verse. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Well, let, me, let me ask you something. And a lot of people will use this as saying, hey, let's go out and let's serve people. But I want you to see that as soon as he says this in verse 6, he starts talking about giving. Now, do y'all have a call to go after a mission and a vision that God's given to you? Absolutely. Yeah, without question. And you're doing it and doing an extravagant job. But you have a call. Do we have a call? Ab absolutely. We have a call to fulfill the vision and the mission that God's given us. Now, is that a burden to us? Well, in the sense that it's talking about here, yes. Is it something that we should carry the weight of ourselves? No, we cast our care on the Lord. But we have a responsibility. Right. 
And when we read this verse and it says, bear the burdens of one another, our job as believers is to say, Lord, who do you want me to connect with? Who do you want me to help bear the burden? Bear the responsibility of getting that word out. I know for Nicole and I, we are there to help bear the responsibility that y'all have to get this word out. And we have gladly been partners with you guys for years now. And, and it's our joy and it's our pleasure. And I believe that's going to just keep rising and keep going up over time. But here's the thing. Our, it's our joy to help bear the burdens of one another. We're supposed to do that in the kingdom of God. Now go to verse 6 and it says... The one who is taught the word. Is that you? Will you be taught the word this week? Yes. Oh, yeah. Are you sure about that? That sounded... Oh, okay. I was just checking. Just checking. Yeah, amen. Let me check again. Are y'all going to be taught? Okay, all right. I was just checking. Just want to make sure. Amen. You don't have to be so loud about it. Just kidding. Do it. Um, amen. Just kidding. All right. The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Hold up. Are you telling me this is not an option? Well, it doesn't say option. It's a commandment. (laughs) It's a commandment. That means as Christians, we're supposed to not see this as optional. Right. We're supposed to share all good things. This week, uh, I had to go to Texas to fulfill what the Lord's told me to do. And Justin said, I want to give to you. I want to give a good thing that I have, and I want to fly you down there. Well, he has, he has skills. He has abilities. There's certain parts of it. A, a large chunk he paid for to get down there. What is that doing? He is doing exactly what this says. He's sharing all good things for those that are with him that helps teach him the word. Yeah. He says, he, basically what he said in his action, he didn't say these words directly like this, but basically in his actions what he said was, Pastor, you teach me the word and I want to share all good things with you. Now, he wasn't just sharing it with me, he's sharing it with the ministry and, and he's bringing that. And I'm telling you, it did stuff for both of us that we couldn't even imagine. We couldn't even foresee some of the things that it unlocked. Listen, it says he's supposed to share. Let me read it just word for word. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now look at this next verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. In other words, look, if you don't do this, God's not mocked. It goes both ways, good and bad. He's not mocked. If you, if you do it awesomely, He's not mocked. I'm telling you, awesomely is coming back. You will reap what you sow. But it goes the same way bad. Hey, if you don't do this, God's not mocked. Don't play games with him. You'll reap what you sow. If it's not very much, then you're not going to receive very much in that way. You know, I read, I read just this past week, it was a pastor saying the prosperity gospel was no gospel at all. I went, have you read the Bible? I mean, all you got to do is read it. Beloved, above all things, 
Above all things, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health. Uh, Send now prosperity. And then he, then he talks about this. He says, I will give you wealth and prosperity. And he, and he gives us this idea word for word. And I won't add any sorrow to it. Have you lost your mind? And you call, read the Bible. You know, I'm, and the longer I go, the more I am reminded and, and the more I understand about what Jesus said. You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Because there's so many people there. They're in such error because they think they know the heart of God. They're completely missing his character. Listen, God's not mocked. And, and this is what I want you to see too. Do you have to have everything when you start sowing? No, you just turn your heart and in your heart, you become a sower, and God will start getting seed in your hand. That's all it takes. Lord, I'm turning my heart. And I, I today am becoming a sower. And I won't be mocked. I won't be mocked just like you won't be mocked. You will return as my heart gives. The level that my heart becomes a giver, that's the level that you're going to pour out on me. Lord, I, I, I purpose myself. I'm intentional today. I'm going to give. I'm going to be an extravagant giver. Listen, I'm going to be extravagantly like you, Father. He says, for the one who sows... To his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Listen, what, is, what does that mean? That means this. When I go up there and I'm like, oh, they're asking for an offering. Now I go, oh, oh man, uh, I don't know where that's going to come from. Uh, I need this much then and I need this much the next week. And, and oh man, I'm just not going to give today. What did you sow to? You didn't sow to the spirit that was prompting you to give and already told you to give. What you sowed to was your flesh and its fear that God won't be big enough. And when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap that corruption. But when you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap it. It was, you know, I've, I've watched, especially over the last few months, how several people have come into the church and they hadn't really been going on a regular basis to the church. But they said, you know what, I'm going to give today. And all of a sudden, God just worked that week. I mean, just pour out. And who's experienced that in the last few months? Like you were down to those last few. Amen. Look, you just got in a car today. They're like, we did it. We started sowing. And what? That's what I'm talking about. God is not mine. He's looking to get good into you, but we've got to partner with him the right way. Verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. We'll reap. We will reap. When's due time? When you need it. When you need it. In other words, God will bring you what you need when you need it. It'll be awesome. Right? Due time is right now if you need it right now. If it's next week, it'll be next yeah. week or before, but it'll be right on time. Amen. God doesn't, he's not withholding any good from those who walk uprightly. Verse 10, now listen to this, verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. While we have opportunity. Do we have opportunity today to sow? Oh, absolutely, we do. Then he's talking about today. Let us do good to all people. And especially to those who are the household, who are of the household of faith. This week you're going to hear from the household of faith. 
If you go to Boomerang, you're always hearing from the household of faith. But specifically this week, I can tell you that, that Brother Ted is of the household of faith. He's going to be bringing faith to you this week. We're, I'm going to be bringing faith to you this week. And here's what we're supposed to do. Don't just let it pass to the wayside. Lord, Lord, I want to sow. I ask you. I ask you, Lord, for what I can sow. Show me and I'll be obedient. I become a sower in your heart. He'll put it in your hand to plant the seed. Even today, even if you hadn't pre prepared beforehand, you didn't come prepared, you've got already the seed in your hand to kickstart it just even this week. So let's just stand right now and let's hold up that offering because you have to understand that envelope. Let me see that envelope. That envelope is not just that envelope is not just, hey, uh, that's something we do at church. No, 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 no. This is between you and the Lord. This is between you and the Lord. And this is your worship. This is, this is your worship to God. Lord, I'm reverencing you. I'm honoring you. I'm, I'm showing you that I trust what you say. I'm going to do what you have told me to do. And I trust you more than I trust my bank account. I trust you more than I trust uh, my, what I've seen so far in my flesh. I trust you. If you want to give uh, online, you can give, give.bclife.org. But Lord, I'm going to give to you. And so let's just hold it up. Father, right now, we just worship you. Lord, we give you our worship in our giving. We give it to you, Lord. Lord, we will bear the burdens of one another. We will give good things to those who teach us the word and of the household of faith. Father, we won't come before you again and not have something to give. Lord, Father, Jesus, yes. we honor you, we worship you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may bring it forward. Amen. Father, right now, we just give you this, Lord. We honor it. Let everything that was given out of their heart, let it be pressed down, shaken together, running over and multiplied into their lives. Father, we receive into our life today. Things are changing in our life, in our finances. We're not walking out of here the same. Lord, we're better givers than we were before, and we're better receivers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Give somebody a high five as you sit down. Glory to God. Well, y'all ready to kick it off? You ready for things to change? <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Would you welcome with me uh, one of our best friends in life? And uh, years ago, I don't remember how many years. It's been like six or seven. Eight years? Oh, my goodness. Six, seven, four Four years, three years, nine years. Wow, nine years. Has it been that long? It doesn't feel that long. Yeah. <laughs> you have more hair. Way more. 
<laughs> I just, we, we. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. <laughs> oh my goodness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's like, that's like cursed stuff in here. You know, you know, he knows that he's messing with me. Uh, hey, we just love you. And uh, would y'all welcome with me evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Amen. Praise God. I love you. I love you. Well, who's happy today? Can you shout amen? Hallelujah. I am too. You can be seated. I'm excited for what God's going to do this week. I want to take a minute and just thank everybody that's watching online, joining us on Facebook. God bless you. Thanks for joining and let us know where you're watching from. We appreciate you joining us for the service all week. I've got my expecta expectation high. I got myself ready. Amen. Because, uh, you know, you can get what you believe. You can get what you expect. That's what faith is. Faith is you having an expectancy that God will do what he said he would do. Amen. And we're going to get it this week in Jesus' name. I want you to just say by faith, this is my week to receive a blessing and an impartation from the Spirit and the Word. Amen. The Word is alive. The Word of God is alive. That's what the Bible said, Hebrews 4.12. The Word is alive. And it's sharp. And it's quick. Knows how to, the Bible says, pierce. And uh, one of the things I like when I talk about that is the, it says in the King James, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You know, if you went to a, a hospital and get a surgery, you'd know you were at the wrong surgeon if you went in to get a surgery and he came in to do the surgery and he was all scrubbed up, but he had a chainsaw and he started that thing, said, let's get going on this. You, you'd know you're at the wrong hospital. Uh, you find another surgeon. Why? Well, because you need precision when you do a surgery. And I love how the Bible says that the word of God has precision, that it can go right into your spirit and it can go into your soul and it can cut out everything that the enemy meant for your destruction. But then at the same time, that tool can add into you everything God has planned to bless you. Amen. The word is quick, sharp, and powerful. And I set my faith, I'm going to receive from the word. I'm so blessed to have my awesome family with me. And they go with us almost everywhere that uh, I go. And we're traveling, you know, I'd say on the average, you know, 225 to 250 days of the year. So I told my wife, I said, man, if I had to do that and say goodbye to everybody every time I did it, it would be very hard to fulfill this call. So I thank God that he's opened the doors and, and gives us the grace and the ability to all travel together. And my wife is uh, not only a, a wonderful and anointed woman of God, but she's also a phenomenal mother. And she now homeschools two of our children, our two, my, our two oldest who are our daughters, and my son, uh, we're just fasting and praying for. And so... Um, <laughs> I told people, I said, you got to pray for my son right now. He's far from God. I'll pick him up. I'll pick him up from different church nurseries, you know, and he'll be like throwing dice with other babies and making money. <laughs> Tell him, as long as you tithe them to me, that's okay. You just keep making that money. But uh, it's a blessing to have my family. And uh, I've asked my wife to come and just, you know, say hi to you and uh, make you aware of a couple of things. So would you welcome her today, my wife, Carolyn Shuttlesworth. Good morning, good morning. A lot of you I know and a lot I don't, so I'm Carolyn Shuttlesworth. Just going to go over a couple of things before we get started. Um, this is our magazine that we put out every quarter and recommend you to sign up for it. It's free. We send it out, um, like I said, every quarter. Uh, there's, uh, what is it, the e-book you said? Yeah. 
Yeah, so we got a free devotional ebook that we're giving out. If you go to miracleword.com forward slash live, you can get that today. Actually, right now, if you pull out your phones, because digital age. Um, but anyway, what an expectant week that we have. You have to come with expectancy in your spirit. There's a praise song he does. It says, if you don't want it, I'll just take it. So if y'all are going to leave it, I'm taking it. I know they're taking it. They're taking it. So we're not, we're leaving change. <laughs> Hi, Teddy. We're leaving changed uh, this, this week for sure. Um, a few things in our magazine. Uh, this is something I've had on my heart and I started about a month ago. Um, we already have about 400 women in this group now, but it's called Nonstop Mom. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast that I do. Hey, you want to play the drums after church? No, right now? Okay. <laughs> um, this is just a faith builder for women. Moms non-moms, uh, if you're going to be moms, because we need a lot of encouragement. We don't have to be a hot mess. That's not what God has called us to be, not a hot mess. He's called us to have the mind of Christ. We have, <laughs> that's my sidekick. Looks like him, but he's my sidekick. Um, have the mind of Christ. You know, there's a prayer in, uh, that Hannah does in 1 Samuel 2 that I stand on strongly. It says, Lord, you have made me strong. I have an answer for my enemies. So we don't have to go to the world. We don't have to go to, you know, counseling. Yes, Christian counseling, I get it. But I mean, like, it, everything we need is right here. That's what Pastor Brian said. It's alive. It's powerful. And you have to read the Word of God to get what the Word of God says. Going on Sundays is not just enough. So that's a lot of things I talk about. I encourage moms, going to be moms, like I said, in faith versus compassion. You have to continue to keep your faith. You know, when your children are sick or going through something, we don't run to the doctor for every little thing, and our faith shouldn't be diminished just because we become a parent. So that's a lot of things I put out, blogs. I do uh, talk about homeschooling, self-care. I will not do makeup tutorials ever. You'll never see that from me. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do your hair or show you anything like that. You're going to have to get that from another podcast. Um, so anyway, this is weekly vlogs I put out. Just faith encouragement for women. And like I said, moms, pre-moms, just to get you to that point. Um, how to future-proof your kids. That's an article that I had for, for this quarter. Like I said, this is one of my favorite things right here. If they can stand in line for two hours at a theme park, they can stand for 30 minutes and praise the Lord. So there's certain things we have to teach our kids to get strong in the Word of God. Um, also... Well, you can talk about TV when we get to there. But uh, let's see what else we got going on. We have an app you can download right now, uh, our Miracle Word app. There's preaching on it 24-7. So you can get there. He's got powerful podcasts that he puts out every Wednesday, worship Wednesdays and Mondays. So just to stay in contact with us, we'd love to hear from you. And like I said, if you go to miracleword.com forward slash live, you'll get that free 40-day devotional today. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Praise God. Let's just lift our hands all over this church this morning. Father, we thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power and your glory, all that you're doing. We ask you now to open up the windows of heaven one more time and touch us this morning. I pray that the supernatural will become our story beginning this week in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you glory and praise for your goodness because you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we ask you now, whatever was harassing your people before today, blow your breath from heaven and blow it out of our way in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
Don't let one thing harass us after this week of meetings. And we thank you, Lord, that our freedom is coming beginning today in the mighty name that's above every name. And somebody shout amen. You don't have to stand up, but just lift your hands right where you're sitting. I felt a song in my spirit this morning as we were coming over here. It just says, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight flows a melody sweeter than song in celestial highways it unceasingly falls for my soul like an Somebody clap those hands and give Jesus all the praise today. Praise God. If you have your Bible, I want you to pop it open with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I got something in my spirit to share with you that's going to stir you up. I believe for me, this is the basis of what's going to happen as we kickstart this year 
in the presence of God. And once again, I want to just say it's so great to see our friend Corey with us all the way from New Hampshire. And uh, are you the actual, you're the director of Full Gospel Businessmen in all of New Hampshire, central New Hampshire? All of New Hampshire. So it's powerful, and he's been doing wonderful things for the Lord and uh, full of the Holy Ghost, and he's a friend of this ministry and, of course, Pastor Brian's ministry and uh, a wonderful man of God. Would you welcome him all the way from New Hampshire and tell him you love him? Just pray for him because his life is hard. He has to fly out to London, England, so I know it's very rough when you have to live like that, but praise God. Father, we just ask you to send him fish and chips in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, there's, there's something I'm going to read you out of this passage, really just two verses. But I'm going to show it to you in the amplified version of the Bible because I want you to see something that maybe you've never seen before. It's going to stir your spirit up. You know, we've, we quote verses all the time, like Paul when he wrote to the church in Rome, you know, Romans chapter 8. And verse 11, we quote this verse, that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he shall quicken, or that word actually means to make alive or startle your mortal physical body. Amen. We quote that verse. We know that verse. But, you know, Paul had to do a lot of teaching on that because people, they didn't really catch it as quickly as he liked them to. Even the Corinthian church, you know, which was... If you study the New Testament, the Corinthian church was probably the most immature church in the New Testament. You know, they had, they had issues left and right. If it was modern day, they would have been on Dr. Phil and Oprah and everybody else they could have got on. They had, they had issues, the Corinthian church. And, you know, he, there was, there was a guy that was, you know, sleeping with his stepmother. And, you know, Paul actually had to tell him, you know, that's wrong. You know, as a Christian, you can't do that. And, uh, you know, he wasn't listening. So he said, kick him out of the church and let him learn his lesson. And then they wrote him back. Second letter to the Corinthians said, now let him back in. You know, he's learned his lesson. But they had issues, I mean, left and right. And uh, so he had to teach them things. And one of the things he had to teach them was that their bodies were the temple of the Holy Ghost. And uh, he starts to teach in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about relationships. And you've probably seen that passage before where he starts to say, you know, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And he's talking about actual relationships, like, you know, romantic relationships. You know, if you're, if you're saved full of the Holy Ghost, don't go marry somebody that doesn't even care about God, that don't even care about obeying the Word of God. You know, he's talking to them about unequal yokes. And, uh, you know, if you, if, you know, many times, especially in this generation, we don't know what a yoke is. You know, you'd have, unless you've ever done some farming or you've seen some Amish people, you don't know what a yoke is. But if you don't really understand the fullness of it, they'll took, take two animals and put them together by their necks in a what they call a yoke and that thing is put on your neck so that you can drag something sometimes they use them to plow fields sometimes to pull a carriage there's many reasons but that yoke puts that around a neck in order for you to pull or drag something is there's going to be a big issue if you're both trying to pull something as your purpose, if you got one that's a Clydesdale horse and the other one is a cat, <laughs> you're going to have issues because now the full, now that, that carriage or that plow, you know, really was built. It's heavy enough. It should be pulled by two horses, not one. But if you've got a horse and a cat, you got issues for the horse because now he has to pull all the extra weight that the cat can't pull. 
cat's feet can't even reach the ground. You understand? And so you got people that are trying to hook themselves up with people that are not saved, not filled with the Holy Ghost, that don't even care about the things of God, and you're trying to pull towards the things of eternity and trying to obey the commands of God and the instructions of God, and you got somebody that not only are they not pulling their weight in the relationship, they're actually pulling in a different direction. So imagine now if you yoked up two, if you did have two Clydesdale horses, but you, but you yoked them up in opposite directions. And you got one whose neck's going that way, one whose neck's going that way. And then you start saying, let's go, giddy up. And they start pulling. Well, that, that thing's going to start straining against their necks. Oh man, I'm preaching today because what's going to happen then? It's going to start getting hard to breathe. Because that thing starts to cut your air flow. Why? Because you're not going in the same direction. You're going in two different directions. And now there's more stress on your neck than you should even have on your neck. And so the Bible said Paul tried to save them from problems and save them from stress and save them from destruction by just giving them a simple instruction by saying, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever and then he begins to give examples and you know he says you know what relationship can there be between light and darkness there's no relationship if light's there darkness isn't if darkness is there light isn't there ain't no relationship they're com they're completely separated what then he goes on to say what relationship can there be between god and the devil they ain't got no relationship god has no relationship with the devil that's why I can't get with these people that are always trying to tell us, well, you know, sometimes God, he'll use these evil things to put them on your life to teach you a lesson. He'll use these evil things like sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, anxiety. He wants you to fully trust in him. So he'll put you through the mud so that you'll fully rely on his power. No, he don't do that. Because he has no relationship with the devil. And he's absolutely good and there's no badness in him. The devil's absolutely bad. There's no goodness in him. You know, we got a screwed up generation because you got, you got people actually preaching this that, you know, well, if you're going through an issue, it's because God's putting you through it. The same people will teach, well, if you see things that are happening today, like healing and miracles, that's a deception. That's the devil doing that stuff because God don't do that anymore. They got the devil healing people and God making them sick. What kind of generation are we living in? See, that's not it. God's got no relationship with the devil. They are completely mutually exclusive. And you understand, so Paul's teaching this, what relationship can there be between light, darkness, God, the devil, the believer, the unbeliever, and then he goes on to say, why would you join your body to a prostitute? Woo! Why would you join your body to a prostitute? And what he's trying to teach him, he said this at the end, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Man, I feel like preaching. You know, think about it like this. And it's, it, this, it's hard to wrap your mind around this sometimes, but the very force and power that created the universe and everything you see is living inside your body. Woo, hallelujah. I mean, the very force. The Bible says that that word that was spoken by God, he spoke a word and that word came out of his mouth as his breath, the Bible says. His breath. You know, when you study, if you, go to, if you were ever to go to seminary or Bible school or whatever, and you were to study the subject of the Holy Ghost, they call that subject pneumatology. 
It's the teaching, tology, the teaching of the pneuma. And the pneuma is the wind or the breath of God. That's just the Greek word for the wind or the breath. And so you understand that God's breath, when he spoke a word out, the reason his words come to pass quickly and instantly, and they can't come back to him empty or void, but they got to accomplish what he sends them to do and prosper in the thing whereunto he has sent them. The reason is because his words are backed by his breath, and his breath is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. His breath is the Holy Ghost. And that's why, check this out. If you've never seen this before, the Bible said that God reached down his hands after he had spoken everything you see into existence during creation. And he said, now, he turned to the Trinity. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And he took his hands. Man, think about this. Everything else you see, God spoke it. Look in the mirror, he actually created it. Everything else you see, he spoke, came out of his mouth. You came from his hands. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them you're custom made. You're tailor made. Yeah, that's why everybody can't look the same. We can't look the same because we got to be unique because every one of us is custom made, tailor made. Woo, hallelujah. I don't look like anybody else. You don't look like anybody else. We are custom made by the hands of God. And he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then he reached his hands down and formed him from the dust of the earth. Formed Adam. Now watch. He formed him and he's laying there on the ground like a sandcastle man. God just put up together a little sandcastle. And he said, look like the form of a man. He didn't become a living being until God reached his face down and blew the breath of life into that sandcastle man and he sat up and took his first breath and became a living being do you know what caused adam to sit up and become a living being god blew the holy ghost into his body he blew the holy ghost into his body whether you heard this or not ever before adam was the first Holy Ghost filled man. That's the truth. See, because he, God didn't do that for the first time when he did it for Jesus at the Jordan River. No. God did, even in the Old Covenant, there were people filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you don't know that. There were people that worked on building the temple in the early part of the Bible. And the Bible says, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost for that purpose. Although for a temporary period of time, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus was the first man since Adam He's what they call the last Adam. So he was the first one to be once again eternally filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he died, shed his blood, day of Pentecost came, and we all got filled with the Holy Ghost. But what was happening was God wasn't doing something new. God was restoring what he originally did back in the Garden of Eden. And so when he blew his breath again, See, you got to get this because the Bible said, what's the first thing that happened? The Bible says, and on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place, in one accord. And what was the first thing that happened? And they heard a sound. They didn't see tongues of fire first. They didn't speak in tongues first. They didn't get empowered first. They heard a sound first. And what was the sound they heard? A mighty rushing and God was blowing his breath again. Yeah. 
And when God blew his breath again, the same Holy Ghost that got into Adam's physical body and made him a living being got into the 120 believers and they went from normal men and women to supernatural men and women that had power over the devil and could lay their hands on the sick and watch them recover and cast out devils. And he... What changed? They got filled with the breath of God, which is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the pneuma of God, the Holy Ghost from heaven. He's in your physical body today. And according to Romans 8, I preach on this. It's one of my favorite things to preach on. You'll know that the Bible says he gives life to your physical body. So know this. That the Holy Ghost is a life-giving force. Everywhere he goes, he's a life-giving force. He's a life-giving force. He's a life-giving force. Jesus, he was such a supernatural man because notice he lived for 30 full years and didn't produce one miracle until he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He was 12, asking questions to the temple, where no miracles coming out. He was 29, living in Nazareth, making rocking chairs with his dad. Ain't no miracles coming out. He was 30, still getting more wise, more powerful. Bible says he, he increased in wisdom and stature, but no miracles were coming out. But in Luke chapter 3, he comes down to the Jordan River and says to John the Baptist, I got to be baptized by you. He said, hold up a second. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. He said, you need to baptize me. He said, no, you got to baptize me because we've got to do all that God requires. And so John said, I'll do it. Baptize Jesus in water. And when he came up out of the water, the Bible said the heavens opened up and the uh, spirit of God descended like a dove didn't say he was a dove he said descended like a dove would descend and he came down and a voice in heaven spoke this is my beloved son and that was at that moment jesus got filled with the holy ghost notice the first thing that the holy ghost led jesus to do go fast and pray luke chapter 4 and verse 1 and the bible says and he was led into the wilderness full of the holy ghost what did he do in the wilderness fasted and prayed for 40 days but watch this he came out of the wilderness luke 4 14 and jesus returned from the wilderness full of the power of the holy ghost so let me just stop this ain't what i'm preaching on but a side note you can be filled with the holy ghost and not operate in power but you can activate the power by prayer and fasting and he came out and the bible said the first thing he did will show up at the wedding at Cana of Galilee in John chapter 2. And the Bible said this was his beginning of miracles. Very first miracle took place when he got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Then everything changed. And now Jesus has problems because he's got so much stuff happening that he can't even keep a room, you know, where it's just full. Every he goes to get into a house, the house is filled. People got to tear the roof off to get a miracle. He goes up, you know, he starts with just ministering to a few and he can't help it. It grows to a lot, then multitudes, then vast multitudes. Then the Bible says innumerable multitudes. He just kept growing and growing. And he just keep going places and he was trying to get out of places. He was trying to get to the next place. Like in Mark chapter 10, he leaves Jericho and he's just walking down the road with his friends, people around outside, and he hears a guy, Jesus, son of David, 
It's a blind man named Bartimaeus. He wasn't holding a meeting. Jesus wasn't having a prayer line. Jesus wasn't anointing people with oil. He was leaving. He couldn't even leave without performing miracles. He's leaving. Pow, get your sight. And he keeps on. He's just walking through a town called Nain. And as he's walking, he walks right through a funeral procession. And a mother, her only son, dies. And they're carrying his body through on the funeral pyre. And they're taking him to be buried. Jesus just passing through on his way to Panera Bread. Pow! Hits the dead boy. He sits up off the coffin. Jumps back into his mother's arms. And he raises the dead. Jesus wasn't actually going to Panera Bread. That was the message remix translation of the Bible. You understand, he couldn't go anywhere without healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the blind to see, cleansing the leper. Why? Because he changed. Something changed about Jesus. His physical body got filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get home, you ought to look in your mirror and say, that's a house that carries the power of God. That's a house that carries the power of God. Let me ask you a question. What business do cancer cells have living in a body that's filled with a life-giving spirit? What business does type 2 diabetes have living in a body that's filled with a life-giving spirit? Sickle cell anemia, glaucoma, arthritis. What business does it have remaining in a physical body that's filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? Absolutely none. I said absolutely none. Somebody lift a hand. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Woo, glory to God. I feel this today. The Holy Ghost. Now, where I had you go was Ephesians chapter 3. That was my introduction. And so, because Pastor Brian said, he, I got to hurry because he likes to get the service out by at least 3 o'clock p.m. So we're going to, hey, listen, we're going to be back here tonight at 6.30. Isn't that right? 6.30 all week long, tonight through Friday night. And you're not going to want to miss one of these services. I don't know what the Holy Ghost is going to do. I just know it's going to be good. <laughs> because anytime he shows up, good stuff starts happening. Amen. Healing, deliverance, breakthrough, blessing. It happens when the Holy Ghost shows up. Ephesians chapter 3, and I told you that I wanted to read this from the Amplified because maybe you've never seen it like this before, but today I'm going to show you something that's going to stir your faith up. And Paul is speaking here to the church at Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and he's telling them about the power of the Holy Ghost and the love of Christ. And he gets into something here. Now, many of us are very familiar with Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you, or in us, the Bible says. But what we need to really get to understand the power of 20 is 19. Because 19 will set you up for 20. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified so you see why I'm saying what I'm saying. This Bible says, the Amplified, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. It's one thing to know something because someone told you. It's another thing to know it because you did it. Or you've been through it or you've experienced it. It's a whole nother thing than when you get secondhand information. You know, if, if somebody came and told you what the Grand Canyon looked like, you'd be like, man, that sounds like it's amazing. When you've stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon and peered down in 
and seen the amazing creation of God, it's a whole nother level to experience it for yourself. Somebody can tell you about the Sistine Chapel when you stand in the Sistine Chapel and look at the ceiling and look all around at the things that it's a whole nother level. You see what I mean? And so he said, I want you to know, not just because I'm telling you, but through experience, practically for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. I see, that's what I'm talking about. That you may be filled. Here's where we're going now. Get this. That you might be filled through all your being. <laughs> through all your being. Unto all the fullness of God. Look, this is such a powerful phrase. And have the richest measure of the divine presence. And become a body that is wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Oh, your physical body is filled and flooded with God himself. Not just a little chip off the old block. The fullness of God lives in your body. You know, people that try to be real logical and technical come to me and say, well, brother, if all of God lives in me, then how can any of him live in you? He's eternal. He can do the impossible. Stop trying to figure God out with a normal mind. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he said, I'm going to fill each individual one of you with the fullness of my being. Oh, glory to God. I said, glory to God. And so your body today is literally overflow. If you could just, if, if I had some way, you know, if, you know, we have x-ray machines and MRIs at the hospital. If I had some kind of a spiritual x-ray machine, a spiritual MRI, and you could come behind here and stand behind it, we could all see you in the spirit realm. You are literally so much bigger in the spirit than you are in the natural realm. There's people sitting in this room today. You're so big in the spirit. Your physical body can't even give you a picture of how big you are in the supernatural realm you would see if i put you behind a filter you would see the power of god just coming out of your body you'd see the anointing of god pouring out of your hands out of your eyes out of your mouth out of your feet out of your stomach you would see the power and presence of god jumping and exploding off of you because it's that word dunamis and that's the power of the holy ghost and he said that dunamis dynamite power will be on the inside of you when you get filled with the holy ghost and it's there to explode out of you and touch somebody else shout amen you are designed to explode with the power of god philip just went to samaria just because there was persecution in jerusalem he wasn't there on a mission he said, well, since I find myself here, I'm going to start exploding. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip shows up in the city of Samaria, and he can't help himself. He says, since I'm here, I might as well do what I'm anointed to do. Pow, 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 pow. It's like the old Batman show. Pow, zing, bam. And all of a sudden, people start getting healed all over the place. Demons get cast out all over the place. All of a sudden, there's great joy in the city. All of a sudden, people are getting saved by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. He has to call back to Jerusalem. Send Peter and John. We've got to get these people filled with the Holy Ghost too. Peter and John show up in Acts 8. Start laying hands on every new believer. And they all get filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Why? Just because one man showed up in the city and started exploding. Exploding with the power of the Holy Ghost. You see that? That's what happens. Dunamis. That's the Greek word we see in Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power. Dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite. Dunamis. It comes upon you and within you when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's an eternal power that's living inside your physical body. Today. I said today. So he says here that you might have the richest measure of the divine presence. You do not have a watered down version of God. You didn't go to New York City and get a, you know, a purse that was supposed to be Louis Vuitton off the street. And it's Pooey Catan. So what is that? The L and the V don't even line up at the seams. What is that? I've never seen that before. It ain't even brown and gold. It's green and blue. I don't even, I've never seen that in my life. They'll try to sell you a knockoff. That ain't a Rolex. That's a Folex. I've never seen that before. They'll try to sell you a knockoff. You don't have a knockoff on the inside of you today. You don't have some substitute spirit on the inside of you today. Somebody that's just a substitute teacher because the Holy Ghost is out somewhere doing something else. No, he's on the inside of your body today. The original, the OG is on the inside of you today. And he's filling you up with explosive power from on high. Hallelujah. The richest measure of the divine presence. See that? And to become a body, holy, not H-O-L-Y, not holy set apart, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, every last part of your body, the whole thing contains He's not just right here in my belly. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You think the Holy Ghost is just pent up in some tiny little one-bedroom apartment in your belly? Don't even have running water. You're in there trying to get a, take a shower. You've got to go to the neighbor's house. No. Your whole body. The same Holy Ghost that's in my belly, where the spirit of man is, that same Holy Ghost is in my hands. He's in my fingers. He's in my feet. He's in my legs. He's in my arms. He's in my chest. He's in my head. You see what I'm saying? He's in my tongue. When I speak, that same power that's in my belly is in my tongue. People think you've got to get all religious with this. Well, do you need a miracle, sister? Let me lay the fingertips of my hand onto the forehead as God somehow only anointed the fingertips to touch the forehead. Once that's done, pow, you have got a miracle. No, no. You can do more than just putting them little fingertips on somebody's forehead. You can give them a hug and get them a miracle. I've hugged people and got them a miracle. Amen. We used to do this test. You know, we went to Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We, we would go to the prayer and healing school. I was there every single day of my, my college career. I played the keyboard and sang and did all kind of stuff, organ. And we'd have a prayer service for an hour and a half. Then we'd have a healing service for an hour and a half. And I'd be there the whole time. And some of us that were on, you know, kind of like the volunteer staff, band singers, ushers, greeters, we'd get all stirred up. In the Holy Ghost and His power. Do you know they'd have people coming in from hospitals in Tulsa area with cancer, stage four, come to sit in those services and try to get a miracle from the Lord. They were believing for a breakthrough. And so, you know, we'd, we had Brother Jim Hockaday, who was a phenomenal teacher. He's still, you know, he not was, he's not dead, he's alive still. Powerful teacher and preacher of the Word of God. And he'd get this revelation to us young guys' spirit. And he'd be teaching on this, the fact that we're filled with the power and fire of the Holy Ghost. 
And uh, he, he would talk about some of these stories, like from the life of Dr. John G. Lake, who's a powerful man of God. Read up on him. But he said, you know, you need to understand, power of God's in your entire body. It doesn't have to take, you know, anointing with oil or a prayer cloth or a tap on the head. He said, you could just pat somebody on the back and transfer power into their body. Whoo! So we started testing it. We'd have ushers and greeters that come in during the healing, the healing uh, services, and we'd have people come in, stage four cancer. And the ushers knew what they were doing. and say, hey, brother, good to see you today. And they just give them a handshake and hold that hand and just shake it by the power of God. And that life-giving anointing that's on the inside of us, he knew what he was doing. He was transferring the power of God into somebody that had a terminal disease that doctors gave up hope and said they were going to die. Nope, I got something on the inside of me that's about to get on the inside of you. And they'd come back with their testimony. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody anointed them with oil. Nobody put a prayer cloth on them. But a handshake from a Holy Ghost filled usher transferred the power of the Holy Ghost into their body. And now no cancer cells are left. Doctors can't find it. The death sentence has been reversed. Why? Because there's enough power in a handshake. My uncle was preaching in New York City. Not New York City, but New York State holding the conference, pastor's conference. And uh, you may have heard me tell this story. He was on the platform, and he had all these people there, and there's all these preachers. And there was a big old pastor that was on the front row, about six foot six, 285 pounds, big old pastor from New England. And nobody knew why, and nobody knew what for or anything like that. He never even referenced it from the mic. My uncle just came right down. Everybody had their hands raised standing in the, in the auditorium. He didn't even reference it. He just came running down off the platform where that guy was Bow! Kicked him right in his chest. I mean, kicked him, kicked the fire out of him. Kicked him so hard, he fell over the seat and into the second row. I'm talking about UFC. And nobody knew why. And he didn't reference it. He said, now the reason I did that, the Lord's trying to show He just kept on preaching. <laughs> there, was a, there was a motivational speaker there from Chicago who's kind of a funny guy and he was standing next to that pastor and he's just kind of he was the he was actually the chaplain to the Cubs and and also the Bears the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Cubs and he's a funny guy like kind of like Don Rickles style back in the day and he was standing there with his big old gold glasses on that pastor got kicked and he looked at Michael and said kick him again <laughs> and nobody nobody knew why and they didn't explain it just kept on going through the service and then closed out and everybody went home so what in the world's that about? People were keeping their eyes open during prayer from now on. <laughs> scanning the crowd. There's some violent people in this church, I'm going to tell you. And uh, the next time, the pastor came back. And he said, i got to give my testimony. And he said, what happened? He said, well, some of y'all that were in the service, you know what happened. Pastor Terry kicked me in my chest. He said, but I didn't tell anybody about this. He said, I didn't even tell my own wife about this because I didn't want her to worry. He said, but I had just gone to the doctor for my checkup, and the doctor checked me up, and he said, your heart. He said, Pastor, I'm just going to give you a bad report. Your heart's so bad that you're going to probably have to stop preaching at your church, and you're going to have to just sit down. You won't be able to exert yourself. You've got a bad heart. And he said, I, did, I just started praying. I didn't want my wife to know. He said, and I'm just believing God for a miracle, because they told me I was all done. And he wasn't old. He was younger. He said, they told me I was all done. He said, then last night, Pastor Terry comes off the platform, kicks me in my heart. He said, knock me into the second row. He said, I'll tell you, I went back to my doctor for a second checkup today. And he said, the doctor came back in the room with new x-rays and eyes wide. He said, Pastor, what have you been doing? 
He said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep on doing it. We x-rayed you today. He said, this is not even the same heart that was in your chest the other day. I feel the Holy Ghost because it doesn't take fingertips to a forehead. It doesn't take anointing with oil or a prayer cloth. Those things work. A handshake can, don't get nervous. I ain't going to kick you today, but a kick will work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A spoken word will work. Spoken word. You know, God started showing me this a long time ago when I was, when I was very young. I was only 16 years old preaching a youth camp in Arkansas, out in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. And uh, we, were having this, we were having the service, and uh, it was a morning service, early morning youth camp. You know, half the youth, you know, didn't, they sit up all night, they're half asleep, you know. And I'm, and I'm thinking, this will show you, you know, that this will show you don't have to have 21 days of preparation. Watch. That, that's, that power is there every day. He's not just there on Sundays. He's there every day. The, now, let me just give you this. The same power... That's here operating when we have a service is with you in Walmart in the frozen food section when you get a tombstone pizza. That was awfully specific, but I'm just going to tell you that's no matter where you are. I've praised God in the middle of Walmart, Best Buy. I've, you know, scared people out of the aisle. Yeah, when you, you got a shout coming on, you usually let the shout out. You don't have to ask permission. Well, glory! <laughs> people gone, man. That's a way to clear out an island Walmart, you know. And uh, <laughs> I'm in the middle out there. And, and I'm just telling you this because I want to show you. It doesn't take 19, 20, you know, uh, four, six months of preparation. God, God's power's in you. See, because people go by their feelings. Well, I don't feel anointed right now. Well, it don't matter if you feel it or not. You're anointed. See, it's a constant. Things that are constants don't change. I don't have to wake up and go, go, into the, go into the bathroom and rev myself up and say, I just don't feel like a man today. i got to look at me. You're a man. You're a man. You're a... <laughs> no, I'm a man whether I feel like it or not. You say, well, I, I've had people come to us. Well, you know, brother, I woke up this morning and just didn't feel saved. You know, I just didn't feel saved, brother. You're saved because Jesus saved you. Yeah. You're not saved because you feel saved. Right. Salvation got nothing to do with your feelings. got everything to do with the covenant that you established with God. So you wake up in the morning, my dad's used to, he said it for years. He said, I wake up in the morning, I don't feel saved, I feel sleepy. But I'm saved anyway. I don't go by how I feel. I don't say, I can't pray for you right now because I don't sense an anointing to pray for the sick. I'm anointed to pray for the sick. You can wake me up out of a stupor. And I got enough anointing in my pinky finger to pray for the sick. Say so do you. Because it ain't about what we feel. It's about what's living on the inside of us. It's a substance from heaven. That's been deposited into your body and you carry him wherever you go. And I want God was teaching me a lesson because I was 16 and I didn't understand. I thought if you're going to have, you know, healings and miracles in your service, you have to preach a message on healing. You got to get everybody to understand miracles and understand that God's a healer. He was trying to show me there's just power in you to heal the sick. You know, when you're out, let's just say you're in the mall and the Lord leads you to pray for somebody. You don't have time to preach them an hour sermon in the mall outside a sunglass hut and be like, now let me just show you from the word. First Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes ye were healed. Were is past tense, brother, and past tense means it's already done and it did it on the cross. You don't have time to sit there and preach a message to somebody in the mall. You just go lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Because there's a power in you. That's greater than the power of the devil. 
That's why I like that verse, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You know what I like? People love that part of the verse. Jump back to the first part of the verse. You know what it says? Ye are of God, little children. That's more exciting than greater is he. Let me tell you why. Because if you're from him, then you are him. My son that was sitting up here, even if I was a deadbeat that had to go on Maury Povich because I didn't want to pay child support and I left my wife. And, he ain't paid me no child support in 13 years. You are the father. Oh, my God. Even if I was some deadbeat that wouldn't pay child support, all they got to do is take one blood test. And if one blood test is done, they can tell you for sure, that's your boy. You don't even have to have, you can look at his face and see that boy looks just like you, son. He's ornery like you, got the same cowlicks as you. It's your boy. That's your boy. You have to do a blood, but if you did a blood test, you'll know instantly he is of you. You know what that means? He's got my DNA in his body. You are of God, little children, and greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. His DNA is flowing through your body today. His power has been transferred. You are of God. I said you are of God. I said you are of God. Let me encourage you with a thought here. If your father is a giraffe, you ain't a monkey. If your brother is a lion, you ain't a gazelle. You come from the same family. Why is it that we understand this in the world, but in the church and spiritual, we don't understand it? People get offended when you say it. Well, brother, sounds to me like you're putting yourself on the level of God. No, I'm not. God did when he wrote his word. Read Psalm 82, 6 for yourself. Read John chapter 10 for yourself. Jesus said it and the Old Testament psalmist said the same thing. Why? Because if you come from that family, you are from that family. If two cats get together and have babies, guess what they come out as? Cats. Two dogs get together, have babies, you know what they come out as? Dogs. Amen. Two alligators come together, fall in love. Begin to romance one another. Goes out on a few dates. Go to the movies. Get married. Because they're keeping it within wedlock. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Have children. We don't know, don't want to know adulterous alligators. But when they lay those eggs, guess what, come, guess what comes out? If two humans have a child, there ain't no doctor that has to pick that boy up and show the nurses does that look human to you? I think that's a human. I can't quite tell. Would you get, the, get, get a few more people in here? Is that a human? Does that look human to you? I think it is. No, mom, dad, you got a human. Congratulations, it's a human. And when God has children, they are God's. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow, but the Bible says it plainly. God said, Psalm 82 and verse 6, I have said, you are God's, and all of you, children of the Most High. The reason you can cast out devils even though you're just a human is because there is a spirit of God that is in you who has united himself with you by covenant. As he is, so are we in this world. First John. So you understand, not as he was, 
as he is. That's important to know. Not as he was. You don't got a baby in a manger living on the inside of you. Ain't a 12-year-old boy in the temple asking questions living on the inside of you. Ain't no 30-year-old carpenter living inside you making benches. That's why I I go into some pastor's office. I can't stand it. You got a sign on his desk that says, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. My boss ain't a Jewish carpenter. My boss is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the soon coming king, the great physician, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. He ain't no carpenter. We think Jesus is up in heaven doing woodwork. You think he's up in heaven putting, you know, frames on doors? Yeah, he's, he's preparing a place for you, but he's the son of God. So, not as he was, as he is. So are we. Let me go a step further with it. You don't have a Jesus bleeding on a cross living on the inside of you. I come up on people, you know, they got a necklace on. I see their necklace, they got a cross with Jesus hanging on it, you know. And just to mess with their mind, I'll come and say, hey, bro, I got to get you a new, new necklace. That's, that's the old outdated version. There's a new one out. You seen the new one? He ain't on there anymore. He ain't on the cross. I got to get you one of the ones that's new, updated. He's off the cross. That's not who's living on the inside of us. Jesus ain't on a cross today. He's not bleeding and dying today. He's not suffering today. I'll go a step further. You don't have the Jesus laying in a tomb, lifeless, wrapped in a sheet, living on the inside of you. I'll go further than that. You don't have the Jesus who got up out of the grave and showed himself to the disciples and ate with them and showed. No, 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 no. If you want to see who's on the inside of you and who you're united with, look at Jesus the way John saw him in Revelation chapter 1. And he said, I heard a voice that was speaking to me and I turned around to see who it was and I saw a man whose hair was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were a flame of fire and a two-edged sword came out of his mouth and his voice thundered like many ocean waves that was the victorious risen savior that is jesus christ he's not just alive he's coming back soon and he lived on the inside of you and me somebody shout aloud amen the spirit of christ is alive in us i said he's alive in us He's alive in us. Nothing is impossible. Why? Because the one who does the impossible lives in your body. You know, people get into this crazy thing. Let me wrap this up. People get into this crazy, it's almost like a trap, but it's, it's like a bad habit of quoting verses from the Old Testament as though they're New Testament. They've heard it preached for so long that it becomes like a religious colloquialism, you know. And it happens all the time, especially with preachers. I came to tell somebody today, get ready for a miracle. I look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. I ain't looking to the hills. My help ain't coming from the hills. That was in the Old Testament because their help still had to come from the hills. My help ain't coming from the hills anymore. I ain't waiting for the Calvary to come riding in and save me. My help comes from inside this belly where the Spirit of God is. He's in me today. He's full of power today. And your help is living on the inside of your body. Woo! Hallelujah. Your help 
is living on the inside of your body. And so now we can go to Ephesians 3.20 where the Bible says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. One translator said super abundantly. That's the Amplified if you want to pop it up of Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who by or in consequence of the action of his power. The action of his power. Who's at work? Within us. He's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Somebody lift a hand and say, I'm ready for super abundance. Far and over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers. Keep going. Desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Is there more? To, to him be glory. So when God begins to move, who gets the glory? He does. We don't get it. He gets it. So to finish where I was in Arkansas, I'm preaching to this youth group. I have four or 500 kids there. I'm 16. I'm as nervous as can be. I mean nervous. Service was at like 9. I got up at like 5. I was like, I got to get a word. Ooh, you know, you turn Pentecostal real quick when you're in trouble. Ooh, hey, oh, hallelujah. And uh, I said, I said, I got to get a word. And I said, I know what I'll do. I'll preach to these young people. We're going back where we came from to our homes and our schools. We're going to take our schools for Jesus. We're going to win the lost. That was my message. And I preached about boldness for Christ. The day before I preached, they were playing backyard football at the camp. No pads. And you know how, you know, us country boys get rough. And they don't matter you don't got pods. I'm going to hit you full force. <laughs> That's how we play backyard football. And ain't no flag hanging out of my pocket. <laughs> we don't play flag football. Amen. I ain't no flag. And so we, <laughs> we were, I'll play flag football. And so we, we were playing. And this kid hung him out over the middle. <sighs> Tight end, hung out over the middle. And these guys had him set up. And I mean Busted this boy, hit him hard, and broke his ankle. And so he got to go to the hospital. He's, he's out. It's funny to some, I guess. I thought it was a tragedy, but to some life's a tragedy. Others, it's a comedy. Amen. So they rush him to the hospital. He's got a cast on. He's full of pain. He's come back on pain meds. And I'm preaching on winning your school to Jesus. And all of a sudden, what, I preached something, I don't know, something stirred faith in that boy. Because he's back from the hospital at camp. That's dedication, by the way. <laughs> Bus broke my whole leg in half. But let's go back to camp. It was a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> while I'm preaching on winning your school for Jesus, I see this boy get up seven rows back. Got crutches, full cast on his leg. And something stirred his faith in the word. He comes out of the seat. And like, he didn't ask for permission. He didn't wait till altar service. He's interrupting my message that I had vehemently prayed in the spirit to get. Here he comes down the center aisle. And I can feel faith on him as he's coming. I mean, he's going to get his miracle. 
He ain't waiting for a healing service. He ain't waiting for the night service. He's going to get it at the 9 a.m. service before breakfast. And here he comes down to the town to the front, gone his crutches, gone his cast. And uh, he like literally just like held his hand up like, let's get this prayer now. I'm in the middle of a message, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he, here he comes. I said, you believe it? I said, you, you believe God's going to heal you? He said, yeah, man. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. God's going to heal that leg. He said, absolutely. I, I said, lift your hands up with the crutches under his armpits. He lifted those hands up. I laid hands on that boy. I wasn't preaching on healing. I wasn't exhorting on healing. We weren't doing anything. I didn't have 19 people join their hands and pray in speed tongues toward him. I, none of that. I said, we're going to pray. And I loosed the power of God into his physical body. And when that thing hit him, he opened his hands straight up and the crutches fell down to the side. The boy, without any prompting from me, nobody encouraged him, he started picking that foot up that was in the cast and stomping it on a cement floor in the middle of Arkansas in nowhere land God gave him his miracle instantly by the power of the Holy Ghost why it don't matter if I've been believing for it preaching for it no there's something in me there's something in you that you can transfer into somebody else it's called the power of the Holy Ghost if you believe that I want you to stand on your feet all over this church and lift your hands to heaven there's a power this week that's going to touch every one of us by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I said by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter what you need. Doesn't matter what you're believing for. God's power is more than sufficient to touch you wherever you are. More than sufficient to touch you wherever you are. Can you shout aloud amen? amen? Somebody begin to pray in the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm telling you, God's going to touch us this week supernaturally. He's going to touch us this week. This is our week. We're saying, God, kickstart us into 2019 by your supernatural power. Hallelujah. Sister, God's touching you right now. I just saw the anointing come onto your body. And there's a refreshing and there's a rejuvenation of strength and power coming into your body right now. Healing from heaven flows into your life and into your body. In the mighty name of Jesus, I take authority over every attack of the enemy against your life. In Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Sister, get ready. God's got some things he's going to show you before this month comes to an end. And these things that he's going to show you are going to bring you financial increase in 2019. These are what the Bible calls the secrets of God. The secret things belong to the Lord, the Bible says, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. Those that have been given the year, step out of your seat, lift your hands, step out of your seat and lift your hands to the Lord. The secrets of God are being revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. From this night and before this month comes to an end, God will begin to give you clear instruction by the power, glory to God, by the power of his spirit. And there's a quick increase that's coming for 2019, what you've been praying for. You said, God, there cannot be another year like 2018. This has got to be a breakthrough year for me. And God said, I heard you. And it's coming like you've never seen in Jesus' mighty name. I loose it by the power of God. The secrets of God are coming alive in your spirit. And you will have what you've never had. You'll hold in your hands your mighty testimony in Jesus' wonderful name. Give him glory. Give him praise. Let me pray for you. Step out of your seat. Jesus is touching you today by his supernatural power. Now your blood receives a touch today by the power of God's spirit.
Your blood receives a touch. Today is your day to receive healing in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord loves you. Lift both hands to him. In Jesus' name. Even the organs of your body are receiving a touch right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Healing from heaven flows into your body. You were receiving that teaching today. Healing power was flowing into you even before I laid hands on you. But today your blood and your organs are receiving a supernatural touch from heaven. You'll never be the same. In Jesus' mighty, mighty, <laughs> Jesus mighty name. Shh, receive it. Receive it now by the power of God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. I hear this word over you today. Launch. 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 You don't have to wait for everything to be in line. You don't have to wait till everything, every I is dotted, every T is crossed. You're one of these guys that you, you want everything to be in place, perfectly organized before we step out to do what God's called. God said, launch in Jesus' name. Launch in Jesus' name. Just in case he doesn't remember that when he gets up, launch in Jesus' name. <laughs> launch. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Corey, get ready for a year of super abundance. A year of super abundance. Now you're a sower, you're a giver, you're faithful to the kingdom. But see, God hasn't even done yet the greatest things that are going to happen for you and your family. The greatest days are not behind you, they're just ahead. And I'm telling you, get ready. Now here's the word for you. You're going to have to run to catch up. To the blessing of God that's going to hit you in this new year. <laughs> You're going to have to run to keep up with the vision. You're going to have to run to keep up with the blessing. It's going to come so quickly. Hear what I say. The expansion and the increase is going to come so quickly. You're going to turn around and say, what in the world happened? Where in the world did this come from? <laughs> came from the Holy Ghost. Fire of God come upon him today. Came from the Holy Ghost. Jesus mighty name. It came from the Holy Ghost. And it continues to come from the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of the living God. I pray your business doubles this year in Jesus' name. I pray the profits double. I pray the clientele doubles. I pray you expand. Expand, expand. You're a faithful man. We love you. But I tell you this, I'm praying for you now. That an expansion hits so hard that the blessing will be so evident that people, uh, get this, this is, this is the word I'm speaking over you and believing. Other business owners will come in and say, hey man, could you talk to us a little bit about some of these business principles you're using to employ to get this kind of increase in growth that you're seeing over here? And you're going to say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, come over here to Boomerang, we'll teach you a few of them. And it's the Holy Ghost, and it's the increase of God. Lift your hands to the Lord, I loose it now, increase in the, that's it, that's it. Increase like you've never seen, like you've never known, by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the wonderful name of Jesus. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody thank the Lord with him. Somebody say, it's my year of increase. Listen, I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed right now in this church. Maybe those of you that are even watching online, this prayer is for you. If you're standing, I know it's Sunday morning. I know we're standing here on a Sunday morning church service. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, you listen. As I was preaching that last point, I felt the anointing come on me. Jesus Christ is in his glory today. He's alive today. And watch, if he's alive, that means he's coming back soon. 
what he said is true. He's coming back soon. Time is running out on this earth. And if you're standing in this church this morning on a Sunday morning, and you say, you know what, if Jesus did come back today, I don't know that I'd be ready to see him when he comes. Because there are things in my life that are displeasing to God. There are things in my life that are not right, they're sinful. But I want to know, before I leave this church this morning, that my life is not only right with God, but that Jesus is my Savior and heaven will be my home when Jesus comes. If that's you and you want to pray a prayer with me today to ensure that's your story, right where you're standing, lift your hand, hold it high, and I'm going to pray with you, wherever you are. I see it there, 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 there. Who else? Over here. Who else? Let this be your day of a turnaround. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss God's best for your life. Jesus died just for you. If you raised your hand, do me a favor. Quickly get out of your seat and come stand with me right here at this table. We're going to pray. Come stand right here. You don't have to line up. We're just going to bunch up and pray. We're the family of God. God bless you, buddy. God bless you, man. God bless you. Ma'am, God bless you. If you need to be here, come quickly. We're going to pray. God's going to make all things new. That's the wonderful thing about God. It's not a 21-step process. It's a one-step process. That's how good he is. Amen there's anybody else quickly come before we pray jesus is calling you don't don't listen what i tell people is this if he calls don't decline the call answer the call because we're not promised he'll call again he could come tonight that's how close we are to the end of time there, did you know this and i just say it because it stirs my spirit there are no prophecies that need to be fulfilled before jesus can come do you know he could come right now that's how close we are to his coming and he loves every one of us so much. He's given us this time of grace to receive him as our Savior. Every head bowed. Let's pray. I'm going to lead those of you here in a prayer. I just want you to repeat this with me very simply. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending your Son to die for me. I'm asking you now, forgive me for my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you. For the rest of my life, until I die, or more likely, until you come to get me. From this day forward, I'm a new creation. I'm not even the same person that I was before. I belong to Jesus. Now lift both hands and thank God that it's done. Lord, we thank you for your saving power. We thank you for your blood covenant. We thank you, Lord, that there's no evil thing that can destroy us because we're protected by the Holy Ghost. I pray for every one of these precious people today, Lord. Fill them with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, I rebuke every spirit that would try to attack their life whether it be depression, anxiety, fear, panic, it must go in Jesus' name. Lord, anoint them. Make them soul winners. I pray in Jesus' name you keep them from harm and danger. I thank you no evil thing can touch their house. That includes sickness, disease, poverty, lack, tragedy, accident. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, Lord, for it. I give you all the praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. 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 Pastor Brian. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you for this day and we praise you. We give you the glory. 
Father, I just ask right now, everything be sealed in, in these guys. Lord, empower them to live how you've called them to live. Let them be a light and a witness and let them be blessed. Lord, let them draw people that they know. Let them draw people that they see need you just like they need you. Just like we need you, let them draw, let them invite their friends, their family, Lord. Let them draw them to the kingdom of God. Let them be empowered by the Holy Ghost to be that witness in everything. Not just these standing right here, but everybody that's hearing my voice in Jesus' name. Empowered by the Holy Ghost to be his witnesses everywhere they go in Jesus' name. Amen.